nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Good evening and welcome to uh, San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. My name is Harry. Uh, we got the full crew tonight and we will have uh, Edson from down in the valley joining us uh, a little bit later uh, to talk about the last uh, Copa Tejas match of this year uh, against RGV and San Antonio FC. But uh, as always, let's uh, start with initial thoughts on the week here. Uh, we'll start with you, Rafa, uh, down in the corner. What was your uh, thoughts on the week? Well, after the loss at San Diego, so these got two important important games, you know, that we should get the six points. And glad we got the six points, even though a lot of kind of made things a little bit difficult on Wednesday night. But we were able to pull through and <laughs> they get some uh, controversial play at the end. But, hey, a win's a win and uh, took care of business against Vegas. Uh, even though we're shorthanded some players, especially from cards, and I don't know for the next game, we'll be sure with the cards too as well. But overall, we got the six points. We just need three more against RGV, so that way before we head out to Indianapolis. <laughs> Robert, how was your week? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. I mean, just kind of picking back in off what Rafa said, seis puntos, like you just get six, you're good, you know, keep trucking. Like those are games, like you said, home games against teams that you're supposed to beat take care of business i mean the big things is and we'll show get into it later but the uh the lineups like the fact that they're plugging in players and things are working i mean what can you say <laughs> six points or six points royce how are you i know uh i think you mentioned school starting or has started for you or yeah um started today and we get to go back to that whole schedule uh i mean my kid went to like a summer program. So it's not like it's going to be a completely different routine, but we had to drop them off at eight, right? Yeah. We had to drop them off at eight for the summer program. Now we have to have them <clears throat> at school by seven 30. So that little transition to leaving at seven 30 versus leaving at six 30, that's going to be taxing, but Hey, uh, good luck parents that have to do the same thing all over the place. Cause that, uh, sucks. So, yep, and having to get your kid up an hour earlier, oh, oh, buddy, oh, struggle bus, struggle, but we're doing so, it. Ours doesn't start till next week, uh, but, you know, we're trying to get them off of the uh, summertime schedule, so uh, that, that's been a struggle uh, for that here. Yep. So... Two matches. First one here, uh, San Antonio versus Loudon. Um, I'll, I'll admit, I think we lucked out. And I'll start out saying that. I thought the game 
should have been put away and wasn't. Um, and it almost but almost bit him in the butt. Uh, but let's take a look at the highlights. And this is courtesy of USL Championship, YouTube, and ESPN Plus. And our entire crew. I'm Dan Weiss. Thanks for joining us this evening on Valley Sports SAFC and their home black kids trimmed in silver. Put it on the screen. San Antonio oh. FC. Dominate. That would be good to do. Melvin Rivas is our center referee. And we are set Take for two. soccer here on a Wednesday night. Along with Hayden Partain and our entire crew. I'm Dan Weiss. Thanks for joining us this evening on Valley Sports SAFC and their home black kids trimmed in silver. San Antonio FC, which dominated early possession against Galaxy 2, doing the same, and the Dan will finish this one off! We run into the box, and Justin Dillon just passes it along the carpet. You just tap in. You're not going to get as tired as fast. And see how the conditions affect the players. And it's a last save there. Patino giving it a go and turning over goal there by Zamudio. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking of San Diego. They probably had a better taste in their mouth playing against SAFC, so I can add to it. Got a header there for Patino. Good save for Zamudio. I will say Patino's due. He's had, what, between this week, three or four close that I think any other game goes in. I'm surprised he didn't try to do like a like a bicycle kick on that one because he didn't have space to clobber that one in. Ryan Martin's been doing some plays on the training ground. This is a chance. Well, to be fair. It's an equalizer. Yeah, All right, Ruff, I want you to break down this one here. I know we kind of talked about it here before. But your thoughts on how this goal happens. Yeah, Maloney kind of falls a lot. He falls asleep on this play with his man. He gets called ball watching there instead of following his guy. Closing in on him. Just allows space for that shot. If he cuts in front of him, and that he would have blocked that shot or intercepted that pass. Because he he pills. This is Maloney here. It looks like yeah. he pills off. Over there, so you got two guys covering him, and that's what left him. Yeah, there, that's right. a defensive mistake right there. You know, there's, but there's is that on Maloney or is that on? I, I think it's on both because they have to have communication. He say, "Hey, I, I got man, I got man." That way, someone else yeah. shifts to that gap. This is one of those. It. This is one of those instances where the guy that's closest to the goal scorer isn't really at fault, but he tries to make up for somebody else's fault. Mm -hmm. That guy, that guy's Taintor's the entire time. Taintor right. does not need to come as far outside. Taintor is a center back. He needs to be more to the center. Maloney is a left back. He needs to be further out and take the guy that's further out. So that, yes, it's a breakdown in communication, but if you want to say that guy's that, that person's Maloney's taking the right guy, that should be Taintor's. But where Maloney is at fault is when he does decide to mark him he gives up on the run he gives up on the play in 27 right not, there right yes that's it. correct that's correct he's gotta, maloney, he's gotta maloney that needs to get between yeah maloney needs to get between him and the goal right there and follow the run and he kind of stopped running that's the problem so it's a breakdown in communication it's mitch's guy but at the same time maloney if he's gonna mark that guy he's gotta he's gotta get between him and the goal and it's just kind of a breakdown. Uh, and because if Mitch is if Mitch is over there, then that yeah. closes that it closes that hole to start with. Twenty seven has nowhere to run. He's going to run right into Taintor if Taintor closes that hole. But he stays wide. 
Maloney switches. And that's why Maloney has that look. He's like, I should have followed him. So, I mean, yes, I mean, Maloney's partially to fault, of course, but it, this is kind of what happens. This is what happens later in the season. This is kind of honestly what we saw kind of last season toward the end is, and we're nitpicking is kind of some, to, to just, no, absolutely. We're not pros <laughs> by any means. Uh, I would not be able to make physically, I would not be able to make that run that late in the game, but this is just one of those things where you could see the breakdown. You could see what happened and it happens. It, the, it's, professional soccer it's going to happen mm-hmm. not everybody's perfect and this is just one of those little breakdowns that happens so and i will say give credit to manly for coming all the way over yep. and almost he, al- he almost got there yep because he saw the play malone uh manly saw the play happening oh and then Boom. Sam's just like, you know what? Boom. I'm tired of, I'm yeah. tired of wasting all these chances. Yeah. You put it in the corner, guys. Put the team on the back. Let's go. That was sick. That was the biggest thing. That was a nice lesson. The, the big thing is all the sitters. Like, God, there were so yeah. many. Yeah, and then the, and then he's he like, scored, he could have scored five goals. <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah, exactly. It's like Steph Curry missing like five or six layups, and then just deciding to make the the half court shot to win it right there. So there's no goalie that's stopping this in this. In uh, the that's world. Either way, in the, right in the world, yeah, in the world, knocked, there's no keeper the that saves that in the world. Yeah, yeah he, he knocked the Cabos off the ninety. Yep. Nobody, that. nobody saved that. That goalie gave him credit. He was actually pretty good all game. Nobody saved that. Couldn't have placed it any more perfectly. And it was off the misplay in the defensive third. That's that um, Arian Robin cutting in with his left foot from the right side and no, just right, putting it right. in the damn corner. That was perfect. And the boss walk off too. Like as if you've done it, it's yeah. like normal. <laughs> yep. And the next one just missed time. Just missed time. They just missed time. It it was, I agree, it was offside. It's not a homer call. He he made his run about a fraction of a second too early to stay onside. He was just offside. And and they show, I mean, continue it. They should show the the side uh, view. So Matt is asking a pivotal question. Um, does PC look like Sid from Toy Story? Uh, he wants to destroy. I mean, PC and Sid—they're both destroyers. So, does he act like him? Maybe. Does he look like him? Debatable. Let's uh, let's buy him one of those skull and crossbones black shirts, and and we'll see. I guess in the highlights they didn't show the side view, but there is a side view camera, and uh, that player for uh, Loudon he was about a yard offside. Uh, he made his run a little too early. So my view of this game, and I knew I kind of tipped it at the start, is San Antonio shouldn't should not have been in that position where you know they gave up a you know almost a tying goal. And I know it was slightly offside, but to me I, to me I consider San Antonio lucky to walk away at the three points on this because I could have seen them call I with, with the pro referees, I, I could have seen them give it because I watched the replay. It's close. It's it's extremely close. Um, Robert, your thoughts on the Loudon match? Any final thoughts? You know, I know the second half really, really wasn't a whole lot to it. 
um, obviously by the highlights and even, you know, remember watching the game there, it was just, you know, it was, you know, like the first, I want to say 20, 30 minutes, San Antonio controlled, San Antonio had several opportunities. And then second half, it was, you know, you know, they played and they kicked the ball, but, you know, nothing that really stood out to me. I mean, like I said, the finishing the final third might have like put the game away sooner. That was one thing I took away from that. And then what I remember from years past or even the USL in general is just winning ugly sometimes is what you have to do, especially coming off a short rest, off an emotional loss all the way from the West Coast to playing a team that, you know, isn't that exciting to play. The juices aren't flowing. Win ugly. I mean, in the years past, these are games when we lose or tie. So in my mind, I'll take an ugly loss all day. Now, now yeah, I can't fault yeah, it for that. Three points. Nobody's going to remember this, you know, yeah. you know, at the end of the season. Rafa, your your thoughts? You know, playing a team like Loudon, you know, with their inexperience, you know, you, you they don't have really guys there MLX experience compared to us. What we have, you know, we should have at least put four or five on these guys and put them away early. But you know, we just can't let you know let teams hang around again. It's kind of similar, kind of like the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta game too. We kind of let, have them hang around. We just can't do that. You know, you're playing a team like this that does not have a lot of experience. I mean, their youngest player was 15 years old. Yeah, well, um, we're going to talk about Gavin Turner here in a second. <laughs> you know, you have <laughs> to put these guys away, you know. And like I said, they got a quality win against Phoenix. So, you know, they have something on their cap that we don't. But, you know, if you keep – you know, like I said, they're a scrappy bunch. They can, if they're they talented. get on a roll. Yeah, they're talented. If they get on a roll, you give them an opportunity, they're going to – they're going to – they're going to – and they did take get one on us, but – you know, we're just lucky that we didn't give up those three points. And I think that's something they learned from this game going to the next one. You know, we couldn't put up, you know, we just can't keep teams are hanging around. So lesson learned from them for this. But I think when we play experienced teams, we got to, we got to take them out right away. Your thoughts on, on the match Royce. Yeah. I mean, we outshot them 19 to seven um, on net six, six shots to three. We just we didn't finish the chances, and it's been like that for maybe a month. Where we put together all these chances, and we just don't finish them. I mean, same thing happened. To be fair, same thing happened with Phoenix. Uh, the second time we played them in Phoenix, same thing happened against San Diego. We just got to finish our chances, man. Um, and that's kind of one of those things where it's the soccer gods, you know. It when they go in, we're gonna win six nothing. When they don't, it's gonna be a slog and this match um, kind of goes with that. You mentioned earlier about I'm surprised Patino headed that and didn't do a bicycle kick earlier in this match. And this is going to go to the next game. It'll be a good transition earlier in this match. Mitch Taintor tried to do a bicycle kick and kicked the defender in the face and got a yellow card for it. And that's why he's suspended for the upcoming match that we're going to talk about against Las Vegas. So that's what we call in the industry, a transition. Go ahead, Harry on to Vegas. <laughs> So uh, on to Vegas here uh, for that here. We'll go back up here and press play. We are set for soccer. Our opening kick tonight is brought to you. So this match, before we get started here, this match featured no uh, Tainer due to the suspension. Garcia was out to a lower body. Um, highlights don't show this, but around the 24th minute, 25th minute, Manly goes out. So we end up playing majority of this match with our back. Kamir, you can kind of say he's 
you know, w w one of the main starters, but I think right now the preference, you know, he, he would be fourth on the list, I, I think, as far as far as starters uh, for that here. So that was the interesting uh, tidbit on this, this match here with the lights here is um, how they did with basically their backup um, back line, which to me, I think is what for the first time this year where they've had that, they've had the forwards uh, be mixed and Abu was still out. Um, I think that's, those were the big keys that were that's, out, right? That's what I was going to say. That was the biggest thing in this match was that you had basically your starting three center backs for this season out. And so you had Jordi DeLim and you had Kamirian. And at the same time, in the midfield, you had Abu, your rock in the middle, out. So the midfield really needed to take a lot of the brunt and help out the back uh, the back line to help them secure this. And let me tell you, they pitched a shutout. Let's watch the highlights. Thanks for joining us here. So Rafa, you want to, well, I'll show you here. so he ends up missing the shot here, but Rafa, where do you, where do you think that he should have went? Well, that, that was going to be a cross, but the way he hit it, you could see us just spin on the ball, cut the nerve, cut the goalie off guard there. You know, he wasn't covering his posts. I think it was just it was cheating on. Well, no, this is Patino. This is Patino. Yeah, one's Patino and that one. Yeah, this one's Patino because he went. He tries to go far post, but during the match, he, he just, said he should have went uh, near yeah, post. Just bury it, just bury it. Yeah, that one he should have gone near post. And look, I, I said it's wide. Open. The goalie's way over here. I don't think he reaches. I think. Yeah. I think. I think the run. I think he makes the run too quickly, and the service ends up being behind him, and so we kind of heads it back. That's just got to be watch the balls. Oh man, yeah, yeah the ball slightly behind him. He has to cock his head. He has to cock his head, and we just kind of missed it. And then this one, my goodness, it's a shot. It's not a crot. It's That's a shot. Just a shot. Yeah, it's not a crot. <laughs> a shot. Yeah. I will tell you because we we said you know right? in one fourteen. I expected the cross, but when you saw that ball and and the. Um, the spin. curve that it had the spin I, I would say it's probably one of the top two or three goals that i've that i've seen in toyota field you know yeah. in person um just because i was able to kind of i thought it was a cross i won't lie you know won't, just like everybody else in the stadium the announcers i thought it was a cross but being able to watch the trajectory of the ball and to see it just curve in it, it, it was one of those amazing things that that you know, unless you're there right in that seat, I don't think you get the same experience, you know, experience because it took my breath away for a second just to on on, a, on how it went in. So you can see the goal, you can see the goalie cheat on to the right because I think he was expecting another sure. cross from a Deirdre and also Patino was right there too. So Go two on. things real quick. Um we're gonna turn to a baseball podcast real quick. Um, now you, this is why baseball is so difficult. And this is why hitting a baseball is so difficult. Now you see that this is a soccer ball. This is a large ball and you're expecting the cross. You're expecting the cutter, if you will, the spin going to the left and you get a sinker, a ball that spins to the right. It looks almost the same until it's not. And then it goes, that's why baseball is so hard because you can throw a cutter that goes the same way and you can face 
I don't know, Jordan Hicks with the Cardinals who throws a 101 mile an hour cutter or a 104 mile an hour sinker. Good luck because you don't know which way the ball's going. And that's why baseball's hard. Number two um, is, uh, can we talk about the uh, background to this goal? Apparently, uh, Nikki in the um, post game interview um, said that uh, Mitchell Taynor uh, watched and I guess Nikki watched the Arsenal against uh, Tottenham match, or was it was it Tottenham Chelsea. and Arsenal? Was it Chelsea and to- oh, that's yeah. Chelsea and Tottenham? Tottenham Chelsea. No, yeah, that's right. It was it was whoever Arsenal played. Arsenal played. Um, oh, Hold buddy, on, was it was it Brighton? Anyway, um, they they watched one of the English Premier League matches and said that somebody tried somebody hit a shot when they were in a position for a cross and it was successful for her goal. So Taintor texted Nikki, Hey, why didn't you try that? Let's get crazy. And, uh, there you go. Arsenal played Lister. Yeah. Yeah, It was Arsenal and Lester. Yeah. It was Arsenal Lester. That's who it was. So, um, assist to Taintor, not even on the field being suspended. (laughs) Is that the first ever? Could be, could be. Uh, I've I've scored a goal like that. Like there was going to be a cross, but, I noticed the keeper was kind of cheating that way. And then that little spit, little hit on the outside of the foot got that, get the spin. And I was able to score one exactly like that when I was in high school. So the Roberto you know, Carlos. Yeah. Little Roberto Carlos there, little action. The, and Rafa yeah, mentioned this right after it happened. There was a little bit of an assist to the wind because the wind mm-hmm. was blowing a little bit. A little bit to that, you yeah. Know, a little bit towards the goal at that time as well. So yeah, we got that tropical storm in Corpus. So yeah, the wind would have been blowing to the north. So that does make sense toward the north stand. I also will say real quick, uh, if you want to go to the San Antonio FC uh, Twitter page, they did post a video from somebody sitting right in front of section one fourteen, and you can see the spin of the ball, and you can see the whole oh, thing kind of in real time. He hit it, he hit so, it like so. so oh, like yeah, square. Uh, banger, yeah, pace, absolute pace. shot, yeah. And he's not even looking up at the goal. <laughs> he's like, ah, let me get inside the six. And this was a quality goalkeeper that they were facing, too, yeah. from the left. This, this wasn't, you know, some young guy. This was this guy was quality. Maloney almost. Actually, Maloney. I was impressed with Maloney has been Maloney so... He's been so close this entire season, like five or six chances, which really makes me hope that here in Toyota Field, when we get to the final this year, he's going to get the game-winning goal and finally put one in. Oh, my God. He is – it's killed me how close he's been this entire season. And that one, I was just – him and Abu, oh. Abu, like the last, <laughs> he's been out a few games, but prior to that, like he's been so close. Yeah. All of a sudden, you could tell they both want it. Like they're, yeah. Uh, it's hurt. It hurts watching. <laughs> it hurts watching mm-hmm. this. But... Oh, man. And then the service. Nikki does his best uh, Fabian Garcia slash Mo Abu. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely pumped. And the that's exciting. The worst part of that, they didn't count it as a Jasser Camary goal. They gave it as an own goal, which doesn't make any sense because that shot is. But it's no, 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 no. If you watch the replay, because me and Rafa looked at it here, 
it 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 goes off of his head directly into the back of the the lights player, and that's how it bounces in. Agree they, to disagree. They they need to like the have evidence a, is right here. And I would give them a goal, but that's yeah. Right here, here you go. They, they need to have the rule where like if the offensive player puts yeah. that much Run pressure, that. forces the own goal. Same with Monterey Bay when Sam hit it, like, it bounced off that guy. <laughs> it's like, dude, he put the pressure on there to lead to it. It's not like it was a miscue like Indy versus uh, New Mexico where he passed it right back. That's but an own goal. <laughs> here's the reason why they didn't give it to him though, is because. If it would have been a shot on goal, he would have got it. But I think what he was trying to do was head it over here to uh, over here to mm-hmm. Dylan for the easy tapping. But it went off. It went off. It went off of here. But that that's the only way that I think that. I mean, I mean, technically it's right, but it's like if you put the if you're the guy who puts no, the I pressure agree. to force the goal, there should be a different kind of. Jasper was robbed. <laughs> Back here on, on but I can at least yeah. see it. But yeah, I, I think it should. Yeah, I would have loved it to be. Guessing he's liking taking set pieces now. And then the massive dosacero chant that I was hearing ringing as I was fishing. That was fun. Yeah, peek behind the curtain. I was not at this game. Uh, we were fishing instead. Oh, my we were uh, we were fishing at the, at the Packery Channel, and I had this was game. nasty. Yeah, no, this was. Oh. And then, and then, oh yeah! If that went in, God, that was that was cheeky. That was cheeky. That reminded me of that goal that England scored on the goals against Norway. That was cheeky. That was close. No option. Yeah. So Rob was thinking if he went to the far post, but he wouldn't really been able to go the far post at this angle here. You are aiming at the goal. You were not aiming at the goal. Now, now he hits it with his left like he normally does. <laughs> Maybe that could have gone in. He was just, just aiming keep, at the goal. That's it. Keep, just to keep that keeper off guard, like he can catch him napping. So I, I'll get this out of the way here. The big negative on this game is PC's late yellow card that he did not have to do because now he misses the the RGV match. We don't know if Abu is going to be back. We've heard, you know, Twitter rumors that hey, seven to ten days possibly, but you know, we'll we'll see we'll see if there. But uh, uh, Coach Cano says, yeah, the own goal should be called like baseball tie goes the runner. Never extremely why, who, how they make the official call on those. So, spoiler alert: in baseball, the tie does not actually, in fact, go to the runner. So that's that's yeah, uh, that's one of those baseball myths. No, it does. It never has. No, I, that it's one of those unwritten a, rules. That's just it's not even underwritten. Um, basically, how it's called on the field, that's how it is. If it's if it's uh, if you can't overturn it, if there's not enough evidence to overturn, it's how it's called on the field. That's it. There's no tie to the runner. That is. <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs> no, well, I mean, yeah, it would be nice if we had obvious VAR. What they need to do, and what, and the same thing, what they need to do in the NHL is they need to have a review, but they need to have a time limit on the review. If you can't decide if it was one way, you know, if you can't overturn it within a certain amount of time, then, uh, yeah, um, you shouldn't be able to overturn it. If if you have to look at it and look at it and look at it and then overturn it. No, it, Can you it, imagine it's VAR like in some of these USL stadiums with the horrible camera? Like some of them, it's like the cameras like all like who knows what's going on? Correct. Yeah, exactly. Now, now you're now you're losing uh, points here. Uh, don't get let the facts get in the way of a great saying. P.S. Keep the profile pick, Rafa. 
<laughs> you know who also says don't let the facts get in the way um a certain um we're not going there it's too early yeah a, a, a certain blonde haired um, so small handed statistics uh for this match here uh <laughs> yeah possession 65 uh for las Got vegas uh, 35 for safc we had 14 shots they had eight we had six on target they had three uh we had 14 fouls they had nine uh we had one big chance miss they didn't have any uh, nine shots in the box, um, 22 you know clearances to 19, was. 15, 17. So to me, it was a pretty standard SAFC. You know, they got the two goal lead and, 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 and Is you wouldn't bad? have known that there was a change in the back, in the back lineup, just to, on how the defense played with, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Carter Manley going out, but Jasser, uh, Abdul Salam stepped in great. And then uh, what was it? Jody uh, Jordy Delem came in for the center back role and did a little bit of help. I do think that they kept uh, Maloney back a little bit further when that happened, just to kind of mm-hmm. give him a little bit more protection for for obvious reasons. But I, I thought Shannon did well, although you know Rafa, you know he had some concerns about Shannon and, and his shoulder, and of course Manly. I think it was what. Um, Hamstring. Like hamstring. hamstring issue. It was right in front of us. It looked like a hamstring. So, yeah, that's what. Um, on. Oh, go ahead. That's kind of what. That's kind of what I was saying. That um, we had a you know the back line needed some help, so the mid the midfield kind of sat back and helped out the back line, and that's that's basically what what uh, would helped. Um, it's just the midfield being just strong as ever without a boot, which is insane. So well, you saw PC drop up a little bit more. On that on, on, on that second half, you know, but it should have been a lot smarter not getting that the yellow card. But <laughs> unlike that, other teams, we can protect the lead. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Colorado yeah. Springs, <laughs> <laughs> El Paso, El Paso. <laughs> There's a lot of them <laughs> in the same game. Awful. Yes, that was that was a crazy game. Uh, so was not. Uh, uh, I told uh, Edson eight fifteen. Uh, let me see if I. So, any thoughts that you guys had on these two matches before we get into RGV? Took care I, of business as they should have. Go ahead. Yeah, they did with the with the substitute lineup. I mean, to me, it's like it just shows the character of the team, the fact that they can persevere even in situations where like there's some subs. I mean. In all fairness, too, there's a few nervy moments. Like one one time when they passed in far made that save, I was like, "Dang, that could have been a disaster." But outside of that, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty typical, pretty clinical. And we're kind of sad to say we're getting spoiled with the results. We need to kind of appreciate the fact that, like, sometimes, like as the USL goes, like you know. I think. I think what, also what, the thing. What, 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 I was going to say, you know, just gave kudos to the to the bench players because when you make a sub, we don't, we don't drop level of play. It's, it's still right up there. And you're going to give that kudos to the coaching staff and the players working hard. And is like I said, the next man up t- takes care of business with all the lineup changes made. So you just, you just got to get props for that. So do we want to, I'm, address... I'm, I'm sorry, hold on, hold on. Hey, I, I, the, the, the biggest thing that happened between the Loudon match, which was the, tying match for the all-time season wins and then the vegas match which broke the record for team records uh for the team record and wins wins in a season that's that's the biggest news um yes well is that the biggest news um, 
I think that's because you have to admit after that game, there were whispers of a certain player being back in San Antonio as a historic, as a historic thing. This is, this is the, this is the (laughs) most successful winning season. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But it, it is, this is a historic season. This is the best season SAFC has ever had. Arguably, except for 2014 this is the best season in san antonio soccer history so and it's still being written um and we'll see if it's the best season in usl history well wolf i guess regular season but so we'll i'll ask that out you later. guys this but, question here because rafa asked me this question at the match if san antonio doesn't win it is it now a disappointment i said that they have to get to the finals if you lose in the Western Conference Finals, then yeah, I would say it's a little bit, a uh, little bit disappointing because you didn't advance further than what you had last year, Mm-mm. despite all the success. And at home too. No, Y E S. Yes, absolutely, it is. Like seriously, it's gotten to the point where, like, not that you expect it, things can happen in in knockout soccer, but I mean, you have to like after this season. How would that not? Because San Antonio is going all in, and I think I, I think we're going to see that possibly the, this week with 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 a possible player announcement coming in. <laughs> I, I know I need to wear my the socks. Code, the G code. <laughs> I need to wear my socks. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're you're rolling the dice on here, you know. Play, you know, and you you can't lose at home in the Western Conference Final. You just can't. Now the final, whether it's Louisville, Tampa. You Memphis, know, you have to put. I, Memphis, I don't believe Memphis, Memphis, but Memphis is a team that you can't ignore. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a dogfight. I was going like to say we can't ignore San Diego either. Uh, you know, no, Indianapolis. You know, like I said, Louisville and 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 Tampa have the experience being in a final, mm-hmm. so that's understandable. But it's kind of like make or break here for for this season because this this is the time to do it. Oh shoot, Roy, he is here. Hold on one second here. What's up, Edson? How's it going, everybody? How's everything at the 210? Doing well here. There is one question here, and it was a question that I was going to ask, but Gary Stevens says, who, who starts in midfield this week with PC out and possibly Abu? And hopefully Manly isn't out a month like before, and Dylan looked gas at the end of the game. So those are three points. I'll, I'll admit, Roy, uh, Rafa can you know, admit here, I was hating on Dylan this last match. <laughs> Dude, and it's... Just the dude couldn't do anything right for me, and, he's in a and I know role, though. he's in a different role. No, though. I know that. So it's different. But that, yeah, but that's Dylan's what been more of Dylan's been more of that Dylan's linger, doing es- what especially with be doing. especially yeah, especially with uh, Connor Maloney sitting back. Mm-hmm. He's kind of filling that winger role. He's not used yes. to being a winger, and also this entire season he has worked his ass. He's worked off, his ass so. off. And that's why I do not hold Rafa this. Yeah. Do not slight. We're we are not a podcast. We are not a podcast that slights JD at all. The the dude is <laughs> no, a king. Like Harry made so a good point at the game. Support our king. Playing, playing the the central central forward position and having Patino and Adiran on the wing since they're that's fast. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Or Delim can fill in. He's 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 like a Swiss Army knife. He's Okendo of our team. Well, we needed him in the back line. This game. <laughs> what's interesting? Man, is, what's interesting is, is, is we we may have we may have a player that can play that <laughs> center central ten role that might be added to the roster, possibly. Yeah, possibly. If Paco's let him go. 
So what's up, Edson? Not much, guys. Uh, can anybody send a rope down here? It's kind of lonely here at the bottom. No. <laughs> Are you at the bottom? I could have sworn I saw a tweet from you that said you were in first place. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I did see that. it was upside down. I that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I couldn't tell if your new studio was in an. I couldn't tell if your new studio was in an attic or a basement with your tweets, so I'm <laughs> kind of confused about that one. It, it but is, this is the first time nice, I get to see the new studio. I like it's it. It's the nicest like studio it. in the USL. Like I've uh, heard the, uh, the podcast, the Striker podcast. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Rumor. Thank you. Some are saying. And some please saying. Uh, check out the Striker podcast on YouTube, and mm -hmm. you're on Spotify, uh, Google Play. Um, What's the Apple, the Apple, um, Apple podcast, Apple podcast app store. You know, it's, it's everywhere. Also, if you can subscribe to the striker, um, I know it's leaning more MLS ish, um, for that here, but you know, to support, um, Edson, to support, um, Jonathan support, uh, um, J rod out in, in El Paso. And, uh, assuming that Fort Worth is coming aboard next uh, year, possibly somebody up there, but we will see if, Fort Worth uh, actually makes it next year because still no announcements. So we'll see. Edson, um, I have some nice little stats here for you. All um, right, let's hear it. I, I thought I thought you're going to like these here. So number one, last ten games versus uh, San Antonio RGV, seven wins for San Antonio, two draws, one RGV win. But to me, the more amazing one on this on this scenario, going back to 2019, which is 13 match, there's only been one game where neither team or where one team hasn't scored. Every other game has had at least one one, you know, or, or multiple goals. Two, so, which if you go back to the start of this 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 series, it was the opposite, where it's you know a team would get blanked and the other team would win one zero along those lines here. Um, now, those were the years that RGV was winning um, mm -hmm. the, the Derby um, since San Antonio found some offense, which is going to be my first question to you, using Royce's uh, things there, that transition. Um, what's up with the RGV offense? The defense, I think most everybody would agree, especially if you follow USL tactics, uh, you know, probably upper third overall in the league. But so, the offense is yeah. what's letting you down. Especially in Death Valley. <laughs> yeah. So the way I the way I see it uh to me I think this this offense just doesn't click when it comes to the strikers. It's like they don't seem to know where to be located on the field uh like inside the box to receive uh crosses or to try to open up the play. Um the matches where Frank Lopez wasn't playing whether it was Adolfo Hernandez or Frank Gaviria uh, with Adolfo Hernandez. Adolfo Hernandez is the striker that usually tends to be uh, stuck in, in the middle uh, of the box, but either the crosses don't get to him or frankly, he's just not there uh, at the correct location to be able to get uh, a good, uh, a good shot. And if he, and if he does get a shot, it's usually, it's usually been wide. I think he's only, Adolfo Hernandez only had one goal. Right. And uh, with Frank Gaviria, he's more of that striker that loves to kind of float around to the wings. So what happens is when, when that happens is Gaviria floats outside, but there's nobody inside to take uh, to take his position or to cover his position there. 
I think the best the best we've seen out of RGV uh, offensively was the, obviously the time when Frank Lopez was not mm-hmm. injured. And unfortunately, in this past game, uh, Frank got injured again. He he pulled a, he pulled a, his leg. Uh, we we're barely it was barely what the forty first minute of the first mm-hmm. half, and he pulls a hammy or whatever, and uh, he has to be subbed out. And you had to play with uh, Dylan Borjak, which who isn't really a true number nine, right? So it's that's how desperate or, or that's how dire the situation is. Where Wilmer apparently doesn't seem to be trusting Gaviria or or Adolfo to be that number nine, and has to kind of bring in a winger to uh, to uh, be able to cover for your injured number nine. Um, Outside of that, like I said, most of the goals this season have been from our mid- midfielders and our defenders, right? But when you have to um, force your defenders to not only defend, but also to attack, that's not really a good sign. You burn them out. And, um, you know, a lot of the times from what I've seen, like mostly like in the home matches where I can kind of see every uh, everything from the press box, RGV is able to create opportunities to mm-hmm. score. They're able to create a lot of opportunities. The problem is it seems like once they get in front of a position to be able to uh, get a shot on, it seems like they don't have enough confidence in themselves to be able to get the shot. In the beginning of the season, you saw a lot of long shots uh, from Emilio Icaza. Now it seems like he's hesitating a lot and tries to go all the way in, into the box and try to find an, an opportunity there. Or when he does get a shot, it like it's not at the uh it doesn't have the power that we're used to seeing from Emilio Icasa. So in that aspect, I truly believe that it's a mental issue. But when it comes to the true strikers, I definitely believe they're not a good fit for Wilmer Cabrera, uh, Cabrera's uh, tactics uh, at this moment, or they just can't seem to gel with the rest of their teammates. And I know I asked Wilmer this a couple of weeks ago at a press conference, and he pretty much went on saying, well, it's because they came in late and they're barely, you know, getting uh, used to their teammates and, you know, the uh, in South Texas – Yes, but then again, you, him, Wilmer Cabrera brought it upon himself for preparing this team super late. I mean, you already had decent pieces from last season mm-hmm. with Elvis Amo, with uh, uh, Christian Sorto. As much as I complained last that last season that their finishing wasn't great, I'd take... Last year's performance from Elvis Amo at this moment compared to Gaviria and and uh, and Adolfo Hernandez, and as as good as or as decent as RGV's defense has uh, could be, because they are f- the fifth best def- defense in the Western Conference. If you can't score the goals, what's the point? Even Eric Pimentel in press conference said, "Yes, we possess the ball." We dominate the games. We have a lot of chances. But the point of the soccer, the game of soccer, is 
to score goals. And we, if we cannot score goals, we cannot put ourselves in a situation to get ourselves some really, really good, uh, uh, good, the three points basically. And this past, this past game against uh, Sacramento, I mean, they almost had the three points in the back, but the offense just couldn't, couldn't uh, generate anymore. And they got pushed back by Sacramento, especially when you bring in Rodrigo Lopez. Mm-hmm. Wilmer doesn't make the necessary subs to counteract the, the, the inclusion of Rodrigo Lopez. He doesn't make his first substitution until the 84th minute when almost all the players are probably already gassed because they're chasing the ball. And then stoppage time, you leave R- Roro unmarked to run inside the box, beat Wehab Akwe to the ball, and Aque's tall, Rodrigo Lopez is not. How can you explain how easily Rodrigo Lopez was able to get to that ball first and, and score the goal? Like I said, the defense is, in, is not bad. It's decent, as uh, John Morrissey has said m- many times on Twitter. But it's those mental lapses, that one mistake that they make, and that's been the difference. When RGV makes a mistake, the other teams pounce. When other teams make a mistake, more often than not, RGVFC cannot pounce. Royce, uh, I know you got to leave in about 10 minutes or so, so we'll go to you first for your questions that you have for Edson and anything, and then we'll go to Rafa and Robert. Sarah, quick. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, putting the team together late. I, I don't know where that came from. I do know uh, I did see some comments that, um, I guess, players getting multi-year, and this is kind of an interesting thing that, coincides with SAFC that other players are looking for better contract due to the CBA. Now team uh, players are looking for better contracts, longer contracts, multi-year deals and RGV just may not be offering that. We know that's what we, a big thing that a lot of us fans were complaining about that SAFC, they wouldn't necessarily low ball. They were kind of the, the wages were about on, but they would not, they were reluctant to give those multi-year deals. Well, they've changed that now. They have offered, I think, half of their players now are on multi-year deals. So so that's an interesting thing. Do you, do you see RGV changing that to try to attract more players uh, to the team? And number two, uh, the four of us are very familiar with the forward that you guys have on the roster. We just haven't seen him uh, on the field yet, and we're not sure if he's still hurt in that being an Ollie Wright. Uh, we're not sure if he's still hurt, if he's just not getting PT. What's going on with that? Okay, so um, let's go with. I'm going to go with the first uh, one, uh, the first question first. Uh, so you're asking about the multi-deal contracts. If you, if I think that RGV uh, will be doing that, I think at this point they kind of ha- they kind of have to. Even if Alonso Cantu doesn't want to, I have no idea. Like I honestly have no idea how, what Alonso Cantu is thinking or what goes on behind behind the walls, right? As far as uh, ownership is concerned, right? He's always been a very private individual. He, he doesn't like to come out in the public eye. Uh, but from what I heard from a source with what happened in preseason, they figuratively got caught with their pants down when, when the CBA was, was passed. So once the CBA passed, all these big teams like Phoenix rising, like uh, Colorado Springs switchbacks, like my, the Miami FC, they started coming and getting our players. They offered them contracts. A lot of them. A lot of them, according to the source, a lot of them were waiting 
for RGBFC to respond to that situation, oh, to wow. that contract. They heard nothing, so they decided to go with the team that offered them the contract. Now, all of a sudden, you're left without a mo. You're yeah, left without I mean, Sorto. Yeah. And, and so now that you have, you have what, two, three, three, four weeks left before the beginning of the, of the preseason? So now you have to go and, and, and try and get players from League One, you know, players uh, that didn't have a lot of minutes in, 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 other, in other teams. So instead of having a really competitive team, you're pretty much starting from scratch all over again and starting to gel uh, to create a, uh, a play style on on these uh, on these new players, I think like 80, 85 percent of the of the squad is completely new. So right. the, the honestly, land of misfit toys, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I honestly, if it, I'm, I think they they kind of have to if they want to remain competitive in the USL Championship. But the biggest question to me is not whether if ownership can can do that because this isn't twenty sixteen anymore, like I mentioned, but. Will Wilmer stop uh, taking the offseason lightly? And if he wants to enjoy his vacation like everybody should, he deserves a vacation, leave things prepared by before you go on vacation so, so that by the time you come back, you already have prospective players either contacted or physically signed and not have to kind of rush like they did uh in 2020 or in 2021 and again in 2022. I made a joke uh, on my show a couple of times where I said that uh, Wilmer Cabrera was taking uh, the offseason like I was taking my college uh, my college career where it's like leave everything to the last second and hope and hope everything goes well. You know, it went well in, in 2021. It went well for me in college, uh, but it's not going to work all the time. And I think this season it, it has proven it to him. Now, as far as the second question regarding Ollie Wright, uh, from what I know is that Ollie Wright is ready to come back and, and get and get some minutes. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if he is uh, going to be at least on the bench against San Antonio FC. I think it would be a good storyline, to be honest. Um, but he is, he is uh, past his injury that, that he uh, received in preseason uh, against uh, Austin FC. So that's pretty much all I, I've got. I've uh, managed to recompile about uh, Ollie Wright. Uh, I know he is very he's very eager to come back and kind of show what 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 he can bring to the table uh, from what I've seen from his social media posts. So I guess I guess we'll see what what happens. But with the inclusion now of also of Jonas Jelberg, mm-hmm. uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how Wilmer. Uh, might take this Ollie Wright situation because you have to remember that Jonas Jelbrook already knows how to play under Wilmer Cabrera. Ollie Wright doesn't. So I think in this case, given the equal circumstances, if both both players being 100% match fit and eligible to play, I have a feeling Wilmer Cabrera would give the nod first to Jonas Jelbrook rather than Ollie Wright. Royce, did you have any other questions or your final thought? I know you mentioned you had a hard out at eight thirty, uh, so that way, uh, yeah, the little guy can yeah, get ready for the, school. Yeah, got to give the kid a bath so we can stay on the school schedule because we don't want to mess that up on the second day of school. That would be <laughs> terrible. Um, no, we'll see what happens. Um, to to sum up, Essen, uh, it sounds like RGV Nation has turned into procrastination. Haha, <laughs> there's my dad joke. Um, but. No, um, 
bad i know bad i'll be here all night <laughs> not really i gotta go um but that's it uh we'll see what happens this weekend it'll be interesting um looking forward to safc hoisting the uh copa tejas uh for the first time at the game should be a good time and hopefully we saw we see a lot of y'all out there so uh i'm out uh but uh y'all finish the uh finish the so strong all right we'll see y'all later Royce. Rafa, any questions that you have? Uh, Robert stepped away yeah. for a minute. Yeah, Edson, do you think maybe there'll be a change in the co- head coaching staff after this season? Will Elmer survive this with all this procrastination, getting players? Do you see the ownership? Maybe, you know what, it's time's up. Maybe we do need to go in a different direction, bring someone more responsible that's going to bring in the players, develop them, and then be able to compete, You know, for, not only for the playoffs, but again into like the Western Conference final and so forth. That's a very interesting question because you have to remember that you have with Wilmer Cabrera, you have head coach Wilmer and GM Wilmer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I personally don't have a big issue with coach Wilmer. I think overall his uh, he's building a, a tactical foundation from the back to the front. I've always liked, for example, I've always been used to with Tigres under Tuca Ferretti as much as at the end I kind of like blasted Ferretti for holding the reins back on the team. But in the beginning, when he had more uh, humble beginnings in his third uh, term, he started this uh, the, the, the team from the back to the front, right? A good solid defense, and then from then on, we'll just add the pieces as, as years goes by. And I have a feeling that Wilmer Cabrera wants, is, is trying to do that, so establishing a solid defensive line, and may the pieces follow as, as time continues. My biggest gripes is with GM Wilmer because of the timing issues and, of course, the fact that I want to best describe it as the Houston Texans under what's his face. He was also head coach and uh, GM for the Texans before. Brian. Hmm? Brian. Yes. And I think it's a similar, a, a, a similar situation here where it's like head coach Wilmer can only do so much with what GM Wilmer gives him. And with the offensive situation, I mean, as much as you want to ex- make excuses or complain about it, you yourself brought them in. You saw something. You scouted something from them that thought might be beneficial to you. And it turns out that it's not working for you. For me, given to the situation of, of how much money is, Wilmer is uh, getting paid, uh, according to some uh, chit-chat here and there, that's the reason why he has those two jobs because from what I was told, it was the only way to kind of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for justify to sustain, justify the, mm-hmm. high, the high wage that Wilmer was asking. To me, I would personally would think of uh, get a GM, try to get try to convince Wilmer to just stick with the head coaching job. And if he just doesn't want that, Try to find some something else because I, I I'm sure that with the money that you're paying Wilmer, you can probably get a decent G- GM at the USL level and a decent you know, he- head coach. I'm not expecting. But you've already got a good head coach on the bench with Gershon, with Mr. Ech- coach Echeverria. I thought he with what the with what 
he had from the Dynamo years, I thought he overperformed. Now, I know that's kind of hard to say because results weren't there, but his teams were always competitive. It, I don't hear the same issues that you had with his teams compared to the issues with, with Wilmer. Uh, you know, we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree as well. I agree as well that uh, I think uh, Jerson Echeverria did an excellent job with the material he was handed by uh, the Houston Dynamo. Um, honestly, I, I think it's it, it's a big question of whether he wants uh, the job again. Uh, and at the end of the day, when you have when you don't have a, a officially a club president, because once Ron Patel left, there's nobody nobody pick up the slack uh, for for him. Basically, Wilmer is officially GM, head coach, and unofficially club president too. But when you have a coach, but you don't have a GM, when who's going to be in charge of uh, making sure that everything else within the technical aspect, you know, runs smoothly for RGV? So I think at the end, at the end of the day, if they do decide to uh, part ways with Wilmer, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of work for Alonso Cantu who doesn't know a lot about soccer, and that's the biggest thing as well. He's not a soccer person, and he doesn't have soccer-savvy people around him to help him make decisions. So. Other questions that you have, Rafa, or are we going to move on to Robert and his interesting questions? I'll move on with Robert. Yeah, because I was just curious about that because, you know, you know, for him to do all that, it does take a toll running it's kind of like when i ran my club team i was coach gm and and, and vp just to and it, it just, just it takes a lot and there's a saying in in, in spanish that says el pedro el pedro las dos tortas pierde las dos and that's and like he's he's managed i feel like wilmer's trying to balance too many hats and he's not 100 percent focused uh on one specific one so that's kind of what my question is i'm piggybacking off what you're talking about like how committed is the front office? Because you can have a GM, you can have a president, you can have whatever, but if the front office isn't on board, if they're not allowing, if they're hamstringing them in terms of finances, because let's be honest, it all comes down to money at the end of the day. So yeah. the reality is, are they, because maybe he's alluding to it in that press conference, I'm working with what I have and doing what I can, almost like indirectly, like calling out the front office because they're not providing him the resources to get the players. Because the last two years, all of a sudden at the last minute, like you said, in 2021, it worked this 2022. And it kind of saddens me as SAC fan, because I want to see a competitive RGV team as much mm -hmm. as I want you guys to lose every game. The, the, the key, <laughs> the key to it is I want you guys, when you come to our house, like, you know, it's a competitive match. Like it, it leads to make it a work. challenge pretty much. Exactly. Like to me, it's almost like, I feel like they gave up almost like Frank Lopez's commitment to the game. Another question. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Like after after OKC, I saw him. He was a little bit of a hefty Frank. Versus uh, when he was here, he he kind of like to me it's likes the tacos. Like, he can do it. He, he's a good player. He has skills. Don't get me wrong, but he just didn't seem committed. When I saw him, I was like, man. Anyways, you know, you're not the you're not the first one. You're not the first person to tell me this. My dad, who uh, who goes to almost all the home games when he's uh, not working, um, he told me I think it was like three home games ago that when he saw Frank Lopez warming up, uh, he he seemed, to him, right, this is his, his interpretation, he seemed like he felt like he was too big for this club. 
in that in that aspect like he didn't want to be there like you know, like i'm just gonna go with the motions i mean that's my dad's interpretation i didn't see him because i was already up in the press box so i can't vouch 100 for what he said but his interpretation of his body language made him feel like he's kind of checked out i, I can see that because that's what i felt too when i saw him. when frank well, was here when, when frank was here when he's on he's on and, and he's He's got the skill and the ability, but there's a reason why he's never made the move back up to MLS or even been considered by MLS. And I think it's the upstairs part. Um, you know, he, just just that dedication, that drive. And um, I think he's got the skill. Um, but yeah, just there, there's just something that w- when it comes to Frank Lopez, that whether it was, you know, here in San Antonio, whether it was in Oklahoma City, whether it's an RGV, whether it was with the Galaxy. It's, he's he's almost one of those players that that um, burns his welcome. We'll we'll just say uh, I'm, I'm not saying he's bad in the locker room because I don't know that you know by, by anything. But w- when you speak to the fans of all the teams that he's left, they never they don't say horrible things about him, but they don't say good things about him. If, if that like, makes sense, like like they're not sad that they saw him go, right? Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, like I said, uh, I've he has a reputation for a reason. I remember a South Texas Derby match. I think it was was it 2017 or 2018, yeah. where RG where San Antonio was winning 2-0, and uh, Frank yeah, Lucas, yeah, 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 really stupidly to to be honest, because mm-hmm. the fa- I think the foul was called in favor of San Antonio, and he thought it was called against him, and I think he bad mouthed the ref or something, and that gave him the red card, and it's like that's where you know when where a player checks out, where he starts making all these dumb yeah. dumb decisions that Mike. And it's worse when it's not even because of a tackle or something. It's just because he just loses his head, loses his concentration, and, and lets le, lets his anger get the better of him instead of thinking about what's better for his club, for his team. Yeah, no, you're right. Because like, what 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 team would loan their top scorer to us in the middle of the season for no? <laughs> they're literally loaning him to us that year. He was their leading scorer out of the blue. There's something up with that. It's like, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> there, there's some question marks you got to answer. But as far as front office is concerned, um, I feel like as far as the business side, I think they're starting to make some improvements, not huge improvements, but I think there have been improvements that have been overall positive. I think they've they've gone with the Houston Dynamo uh, way of thinking of making, you know, having cheap tickets, uh, cheap concessions. Uh, you know how the Dynamo have their 713 deal. You know, we have $5 tickets, $2 hot dogs, $2, I think. Uh, I don't know if it's beer or something. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. And I feel like the fans have have, uh, have actually shown up. I know that this last game against Hartford, I think it was like 5,000 some uh, reported attendance. That was a crazy match, though. You guys had 32 shots and didn't score a freaking goal. That, that's yeah. nuts. That's nuts. I think you only had eight on target as well out of that 32 shots. Yeah, and Las Vegas, no, so so against Hartford, it was 27. Against Las Vegas, it was 32. With eight shots on target, all eight of those were saved by the keeper. So, uh, but I, but as far as, you know, the money is concerned, um, 
I think I think Alonso Cantu, as much as Ron Patel mentioned uh, right after the the announcement of, of the independence, I do recall that Ron Patel mentioned that Alonso Cantu was committed financially to uh, making this team competitive. I think at the end of the day, his his actions uh, after last season have kind of proven that he's kind of wanting to take things on the cheap and see if maybe so the worst part is and i was actually thinking about this today at work where it's like we became what we complained about from the houston dynamo about building a team on the cheap we complained about that when we were under the houston dynamo now that we've achieved independence to see if we're going straight down that same path yeah so rgb attendance wise you guys are averaging 3700 Biggest crowds, 51. Uh, lowest is 25. To be fair, though, and, and this was going to be kind of my dig at, at San Antonio FC, uh, we're only averaging 5,700. And I know they announced 42. Well, we'll, we'll round up 4,300 uh, for uh, the Loudon match on a Wednesday and 5,500 against Vegas. I know we're down on average a thousand dollars, or pardon me, not thousand dollars, a thousand people per game. Um, mm-hmm. We're back to we're we're back on par with the score, you know, last years of the Scorpions where where they weren't very good, and this is for a first place team in, in USL Championship. So it's it, lower league soccer isn't a money making money making thing in a closed system, um, you know, for that here. So. But I, from my following on RGB in social media is the biggest frustration is when you guys are getting the good crowds, the performance or the results or just the, you know, has not been there. Um, and, you know, I think it's let a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, I know you follow a lot of the same people I do. It's left them frustrated on how they can get RGB to take that next step. Yeah, it's really frustrating, and especially when you have uh, uh, fans that barely came into uh, the mix of following the teams uh, from last year. Um, I actually had a uh, had a kind of like a conversation with a friend on Twitter, who's a huge theaters fan. He's from Monterrey, so he's like he he knows his soccer, right? And he mentioned, like he said, this is embarrassing. Like this team is this team, the way that they've got dismantled and the way they're playing now, it's embarrassing where where they're at right now. And a lot of people have have mentioned, you know what? I'm actually thinking of not renewing my season tickets next year. I feel like at the end, at the end of the day, uh, you gotta have both. You gotta you gotta have uh, uh, good uh, off the field you know, marketing campaigns. But it, your t- product on the field has to back up what your marketing team does. And unfortunately for RGV, right now our 11 plus players on the field just aren't cutting it to make the fans, you know, proud and eager to come back for the next home game. You should, uh, you should have a promotion where like they get to keep the balls that go in the crowd. <laughs> Those are hundred dollar no, balls. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just no, no. Like thirty two hundred. It's thirty two hundred bucks right there. <laughs> I think you know for for RGV and I expressed this to Edson at the start of the season, 
and this this is where I think Edson or where Wilmer can get some heat is because RGV had momentum going into into the season. You know, they came off a successful playoff year, the first year as an indie club, and due to vacation, whatever the scenario was, you know, budget, whatever, the front office side of RGV dropped the ball. And RGV's always been a club and probably will always be a club that runs thin on the marketing because it's combined with the Vipers on basketball and stuff and, and – you know, you may be able to correct me, but I think basketball is the preferred. So here, here's the here's for... the thing. So apparently, and this is this is something from uh, somebody else mentioned to me. So RGV Vipers actually uh, contracts their marketing to a third party, which is why their marketing has been so good. Whereas for the Toros, their marketing is done in house. So they've, it's got a, it's that's why the huge disparity between the marketing levels between both teams. So, but I, here's the thing you mentioned about what, uh, about, you know, dismantling of the team of this off season. Wilmer Cabrera, at the final day of preseason, we had a press conference and I asked him why he dismantled the team. And he mentioned that while the team was good last year, he felt that it wasn't the team, the the type of team, the type the right, that he wanted to see in the long term. He said that he felt that what the players that he got this season were a better fit for his his idea for uh for like in five years, whether he's there or he's not there, uh, and that he was looking to build upon this particular foundation that he brought in for this season. While I do kind of agree with the fact that last season, a lot of these players was want to like, okay, let's grab what we can and see if we can make it fit. And it turned out that he made them fit really, really well, especially at the end of the, uh, of the season. It's just, it's just frustrating how even with that, they managed to let players like Rodrigo Lopez and Elvis Amo go so easily, and on the defensive slide, uh, is uh, let, Asco, letting go. It was alone, though, and uh, and it, but to, to me, it's like, it's like, uh, are they committed or not? Like, is, is it a situation? Is that a corporate answer? Is Cabrera in the press conference saying that because that's what he's been dealt, or is that you know, to me, it's like how. I mean, what's the backstory? We will never know. But like behind yeah. the scenes, is that literally like, is he saying that because he's been dealt these cards and he's going to roll with them? He's a corporate guy and he's going to say what he's got to say, or is that legitimately what he felt? I think it's. Le- I honestly think it's legitimately what he felt. I've never, I've never felt like Cabrera be a be a corporate guy. The way he's handled himself sometimes in press conferences, I think it. I think it shows that Cabrera is really not a guy that's going to be reading stuff by the script, and the fact that. That that uh game that that uh that Harry uh inferred about a couple minutes ago, where Wilmer Cabrera basically between the lines and even uh, I think uh, pretty much said that one of the reasons why we're in this situation is because the the ownership wasn't giving him enough resources uh financial resources to build a competitive team to bring in the best players in the in the usl uh and that they had to do to do with what they had 
and that's my thing. That's what I meant more the budget. He had budget constraints. So he's going to play the court. Like, not, not so much that he's the guy, type of guy that's going to like say that, but instinctively, but like if he's limited in budget, he's going to like toe the line and he's going to say what he's got to say, like to keep, you know, both parties happy. So before I let you go, Edson, um, I know you like Liga MX. I know Rafa likes Liga MX. Uh, do you want to talk about how your team's in third place and his team's in ninth place at this time? He's a Club America guy. You're, uh, from my understanding, you're a Tigris guy. Yes, sir. So I think the fact of the matter is, I'm just going to be honest here. I think Tigris is a good team, but the problem is they haven't backed up their performances against the top teams. You saw what happened with with Pachuca. They they had the situation. Yeah, and not only that, they're having these issues with what's well, been like what four or five straight games where Tigres have gotten themselves a red card, and against the lower level teams or the the lower uh, table teams, they managed to hold the zero or managed to get the positive result even with the man down. But when when you got a big when you got teams that are on the top like Pachuca. Uh, I'm worried to see what's going to happen this Saturday against Monterrey because I sure as hell don't want to be made fun of by my my sister and my parents. But, um, I'm, I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hope I'm hoping that um, Miguel Herrera gets his gets his act together with his club and kind of puts the reins on that in on, in discipline. But I think I honestly think that uh, with uh, Club America. Um, I think it's just a, it, it's just a matter a matter of time uh, where uh, Fernando Ortiz get you know gets his club uh, gets his squad back to uh, the places where uh, they're pretty much pressured into always being, which is always competing for the top three positions in the Liga MX table. I mean, they didn't play bad against the top teams in in the world, you know. Uh, but it's just they just haven't been able to kind of reflect those performances against Liga MX. But I guess now that the that uh, they're primarily focusing on the Liga, I think we're, this is where you're just going to start seeing uh, Club America on on the rise. So. And they showed it Saturday when they blew out <laughs> Pumas, you know. I mean, no, when, Pumas, when Pumas, the, their emblematic uh, player is a uh, 40-some-year-old defender. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is like, that doesn't... Kind of play defense. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, I what think about... with Club America, with oh, Club America, like I said, they just sold a player, Sanchez, to, to Ajax. And, uh, you know, and, and that's what Club America's been built because, like I said, I coach for, the, for, for them, for their academy. They're just built to develop a player's and send them off to Europe, but they're expected to be in the top three. They're supposed to basically kind of the same person like we're like Real Madrid, Barcelona. You're expected to win like either La Liga or like Champions League. Then that's the mentality they have there. And like I said, hopefully, like I said with with Piojo because we he used to coach Club America. He basically imploded in that, and that's why he's over there with Tigres. And you know, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen with with Tigres. With the same thing, he doesn't implode, and then they have to kind of rebuild well that because. That's the situation he's been with when he used to be with us. So, so is there any surprise with the? Uh, and I know it's early. What not, what seven to ten, seven to nine games in, but with uh, what Toluca leading uh, Liga MX, is that kind of a surprise? Or you know, nah, to, or to they me, got no. Well, 
to me now, while last season was a very horrible season for for Toluca, you have to look at what, who they had on the bench uh, as their coach. Ignacio Ambriz, one of the best coaches in recent years. You know, he was given an op- That's one of the reasons why he was given an opportunity in Europe. It didn't pan out, so he's back. But in Liga MX, I think he's he's uh, a top coach. He just needed his uh, his idea to be reflected by the kind of players that he could bring to the table. This past season, he still had leftovers from his predecessor. So uh, now that he's managed to have an offseason to train with them and to build it with the pieces that he felt closely uh, reflect his system, now you're starting to see the the fruits uh, of that effort by Ignacio Ambriz. And then uh, Matt put this question on here, and uh, Rafa, if you'll do the team name, because I'll just chop it up again. Uh, when do we find out the bid for uh, Katero? Um, I know, uh, from my understanding, SSNE submitted a bid. You know, have you guys uh, heard of any approximate news of when uh, that's going to be settled? I mean, whether I S- whether S- S- whether Spurs Sports and Entertainment gets it or not, just. Have you guys heard any rumors? I know you guys follow Liga MX, you know, a lot more than I do. And, and Robert, if you have any questions, we're doing Liga MX with Edson as opposed to to Europe this this week because uh, I thought uh, I, I think they to do the end, I think they have to do it before the end of the year, I believe. He was trying to buy it but, outright outside of SAC, I heard. But it, it makes it makes it makes sense for them to buy it because now we have that that Super Liga with. With MLS. Oh, it's outside of Spurs Sports Entertainment. That's what I heard. I heard yeah. Holt was trying to bid outside Holt, yeah, of the, Holt, the corporate. Thing. Yeah, Holt's trying to buy it up on his own. So if that if he's doing that, that means they're trying to bank in the money for that whole Superliga. You know, losing out on the Austin on the Austin thing, it, it makes perfect sense because you got a lot of Liga Yamaki fans here in San Antonio, and you probably well, steal a lot of from Austin too. That's and, the pipe dream, though of. of it, and I guess if MLS opens that door and, and creates that kind of super league, it'll be hard for, you know, for, uh, for CONCACAF to come back and say, Hey, no, you can't have. Go ahead. Edson, and have and on that, on that note. Uh, and this is because. It, it, okay. And I know there's ties in RGV as well on this as well. So yeah. if you so put on a team in note, RGV, can, can, you know, now up. that you mentioned, you mentioned that, it's one of the interested parties is uh, SSE. How will San Antonio fans take it? Because I know there was a lot of people that were saying that, or there were rumors going about that SSE was looking to get rid of uh, San Antonio FC. If that does happen, or if it is confirmed that that SSE is is interested in buying Querétaro, how are the, the San Antonio fans going to feel about that? I feel like they might be a little bit slighted. It was Holt, though. It was Holt. It was outside of the yeah, corporate thing. He's trying to buy it yeah, himself. The, yeah, the family, it's a buying, trying to buy, put the bid by them. So it has nothing to do with the Spurs. Yeah, but they're, they're trying to get outside of the corporate thing. I, I think uh, they understand They understand that there's a big fan base here. Because one of the things I think SAFC does wrong as far as marketing, they don't market well. It's well not with just us, it's RGV as well. Uh, me and Edson's yeah. had this discussion before. Yeah, they don't market well with our west side and south side, and that's where your soccer fans are at. Those are most of your legal league, especially the game when we had uh, who's the last team we had who uh, Santos and it was like was San Luis, Atletico San Luis. 
Yeah, well, that's when we played. But we had another league at Mexico's game. We had at Santos and um, Tigres. Mm-hmm. That game was nearly a sellout. Yeah, it was. And it was rowdy. And so, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there was a fight after the game. It was but, rowdy. <laughs> but you can see that that the fan base comes out. I, I even the game uh, when they had the Alamo Dome games. When I saw the Club America versus Tigres, that game was sold out too in the Alamo Dome. Mm-hmm. So there's a fan base around here. And if the Holtz can play the cards right and get the bid, you know, I know they're trying to bank on hopefully getting that team so they can do the Superliga kind of kind of spite Austin because they'll steal a lot of those Austin MC fans or Liga MX fans to come down here to but watch. But that's if they're able to move it to San Antonio. And I, I think they have to because I think Gareto was told I think they're not allowed to have that team anymore there because Correct. of what happened. Mm-hmm. That's the whole reason why why they they're selling the franchise to relocate it to a, to to a different but place. But they're going to relocate it. I have a hard you know hard time believing at least at this point that they're going to move it to a team in the United States at this point. And I had I find it highly improbable because Concacaf does have obviously with Concacaf money can buy anything. But I was about to say money talks. In theory, talk. in theory, <laughs> money talks. In, in theory, the in CONCACAF, you cannot have a team from another country playing in another country's league. The only exceptions have been the three Canadian teams in MLS because at the time that they joined MLS, there was no Canadian first division. Now there was, and I think that was one of the reasons why uh, Ottawa Fury had the their whole. Uh, well, that's their, from the Canadian. There, there's a whole different backstory, but that's the excuse that they used. Was that even though there's still um, USL League Two teams, there's WPSL teams, uh, you know, UWS teams that are in Canada that play in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the reason why I think it's going to be a possibility is because MLS and Liga MX have flirted. You know they've got that what the league's cup coming up. They're heading towards a a path of of trying to combine because MLS <laughs> needs Liga MX and Liga MX yeah. needs MLS. Yeah. You know because be Liga you know Liga MX draws the TV viewing the TV dollars, but from my understanding in, in speak you know in in following other things, the the um, financial. Um, availability here in the state side and being able to attract those sponsors yeah. and the money to bring the tapping money back down market. to Mexico. Market. <laughs> It'd be nuts. Is, you, have have, that, you have like Univision, TV Azteca, you know, they have the market. big, they got the big, Telemundo too, because they have, I think they do Chivas games. And yes. they, have, they, have, they have the capital. Yeah, Fox Sport. And I think even ESPN Deportes too. Is now digging mm-hmm. in into Liga MX, so the money's there, the big contracts are there, so it makes sense to have a team here because you, you're gonna fill, you're gonna kill two birds with one stone because you have the fan base and you have a market here, and then now you have rivalry games with Austin, Houston, Dallas, and then well, here it would be with Monterrey and Tigres because those regional, you know, uh, there with Santos, so it, it it makes perfect sense for this. Mm-hmm. The question that I have for you, Edson, could you see RGV sneaking into it? You know, obviously not with their, you, you don't think that their marketplace is, is big enough to where you could attract, you know, you know, another lower level team, you know, in Liga MX up to there. Like, the problem, you know, for instance, Cancun is, as an example. The problem is that right here in the Rio Grande Valley, I think the only 
uber rich person is Alonso Cantu. Right. And the if he's having it, and if he's side. having issues with investing with the USL Championship side, and he's one of those guys that I've been told that he refuses to have a, a partnership because, as far as I was told, some people reached out to Alonso Cantu for you know to uh, become partners in owning RGV, and he refused. Hmm. So if he if he is like that, if he does have, if that is true, then there, I, I feel like there's no way that, that RGV would be financially sustainable to uh, try to take on a, as big of a project uh, as this. Any other final questions that you have for Edson or Edson, did you have any questions for us? Um, I know we've kind of, you know, directed them all out to you. Uh, I guess we'll give you the opportunity if you want to respond to any to us. I think the, the biggest one uh, to me, uh, I feel like one of the things that I notice is that uh, San Antonio has been really, really good defensively. They're the, you know, the, 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 what, the number one, I think, in the whole USL. And, but I know that Jonathan kind of mentions that the offense, while not as big as a problem as RGVs, but they still kind of have an issue with uh, with finishing. Uh do you do you all believe that uh, this is going to be a low scoring uh, match, or do you feel like this is going to be one of those games where because it's a derby, everything gets left behind and it's going to be like a a thriller? It's going to be a one goal game, whether it's two one or three two. Yeah, I think those roll. are the scores that you're going to see. It's I don't know. It's going to be a one. How we play like every game's one zero, two zero, three. Unless we get in a roll like we did against, um, was it Charleston? Mm-hmm. That Monterey we just Bay. couldn't. Monterey Bay, you know, they have. I mean, we have the talent to do that, but the problem's been finishing. We've had mm-hmm. some Final clear error. chances, but our defense is. We kind of took the same page with you guys. You know, I think Marcina realized, especially going back to last season, building from the back wins you games, and I think he kind of took the same model with RGV and then also with OC too. And that's how OC won their championship, you know, building the defense. I think he built more of the spine, though, because if you go the back, um, PC, Abu in the middle, um, because Pete, you know, through there. Abu's out. Right, but as far as how he built the team, though. Oh, yeah. You know, he he built it, you know, strong up the center. You know, you could argue Patino, uh, Dylan. um, You know, so I think the middle is strong. You know, the, the... to me, the weakness on SAFC, if you'd call it a weakness, is 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 the sides at this point. Um, you know, is is the width. But no, to me, I I I think RGV scores this match just because, as I mentioned here, what the last no, they don't. thirteen matches, both teams have scored. There's only been one, and unless RGV is having one of those days that they can't hit the broadside of a barn. Um, you know, but typically against San Antonio, they they magically find you know, a bike or you know you know all sorts of crazy stuff that they sh- they have no business doing. <laughs> yeah, but here here's the thing: in past years, you had players that had the talent to put themselves in a situation or something uh, yeah. something like that. Right now, offensively, you've got a, a pretty much a, a bunch of young kids 
that aren't necessarily, you know, veteran, a, a veteran presence or that have, you know, the athleticism, like let's say Juan Carlos Azucar had and, and that bicycle okay. kick. Most of your experience is in the midfield and in the defense. Like you mentioned, you know, building that spine. However, that spine doesn't extend to the to the striker position. And that's what worries me. So uh, I honestly think uh, I feel like it's going to be when uh, it's going to be a tight match, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, now, my question to you or my final question before I head out. Usually in the last couple of times that RGB has uh, faced off against San Antonio, San Antonio has been a lot about using the high pressure against RGV. We talk about how R RGV always loves to build the use the high pressure against the, the their opponents, but San Antonio manages to outdo them. Is that something that you see week in week out from San Antonio, or is that just something specifically tailored for RGV? Well, that's a constant because they did it the last yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, they press and press until they get a goal or two, and then they like the the. The format uh, it changes. They start to like you know, try to compact the back, make it difficult for you, and you press forward and you make mistakes, and then they like, they come back at you with a counter. The, the only I think the only game we didn't do was against San Diego because we were out with without Patino. I think because when we went to a, I think a three five two, so you can't really press there too much. Mm -hmm. When you add Patino into the mix with that three headed monster, that's when you see a lot of the pressure when we play a three four three. And I've seen it every time we play that, we've smothered teams. But we just need to finish. To yeah, get to finish. We're susceptible to a wonder goal. Like all of a sudden, we'll press, press, press. We won't finish, and then someone can score on us. It's like crap. We have to open the game up. Like against San Diego, we open up, we open up. It opens up avenues and lanes, and all of a sudden that, we we can expose key, expose is, ourselves. Is if RGV gets that goal early, yeah. then that op that opens the game. It, but I will say this. Better. If San Antonio scores, they've yet to lose this year. It's like a bow constrictor. <laughs> it's like we yeah. score. It's just like every time we score, we've never, we haven't lost. It's worse and worse. The only games we've lost is when we've been shut out. But it, but it'll, those are the it'll games be a, three key players. Mostly in California with the cow pastures. Yeah. No comment. Well, Phoenix too, but, yeah. <laughs> Sacramento, San Diego. There's like the ball doesn't roll; it bounces. I'm just saying, but <laughs> it'll be interesting. I know. Um, it's oh. shout out to my boy. Yeah, Ollie. Ah, I would love Ollie to see Ollie. Let's go. I love this guy. He's awesome. Ollie's a great and guy. If you guys man. see, if you guys see, see Doctor Beckford, the Shane, tell <laughs> okay. him I said hi. We love I him. Will. I don't think I don't. Even, well, I'll just, oh, it's a long story. Mind, I'll, <laughs> That's another story. Another <laughs> story. <laughs> we're, we're, we're already an hour and a half. We don't need to unpack that camera. Um, but no, Edson, it's always great to talk to you. Um, are you planning on Are you planning on coming up this week or no? Unfortunately, no. Uh, we're gonna have to be well, at at my day job. I, I have to come in for the next uh, Saturdays to prepare for uh, the new school year. So. Yeah. It's it is what it is. I would have loved to have gone, but um, it's a long drive back when you yeah. lose. I've, I've experienced it a couple of times. So. You can come hold the cup. Yeah, I did that <laughs> last year, and I, I, all I did was all I did was uh, bring bad luck to, to the Toros. <laughs> 
it isn't enough that I'm getting that I get uh, that, that I get uh, like bullied by fans <laughs> and uh, and uh, people within the technical staff for for the Edson curse. <laughs> I don't want to add more fuel to the fire. <laughs> hey, say hello to your dad. I like say you know every time he comes up, I try to say hi to him. You know he's a great guy. Yeah, uh, so hello to your, hello to your dad and uh, uh, congratulations on the new studio um, thank and you, the thank new you. house uh, for that here it looks great especially the San Antonio FC yeah, scarf, in the back, scarf so. makes a studio we talked about that <laughs> right there that one on the far the second to the left is the best <laughs> we should get you some more of those we'll get you some flags I'll hook you up flag <laughs> <laughs> I was. I, I actually got. I think it was like one of the. Uh, I was co- Coach Jerson. Like he. 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 Uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet, Harry. Where he, he was like, it's like, what do you ha- what do you have? Like, would you wear? Like, would you wear a Rayado scarf? And and then <laughs> at, at training, like he just starts. He he goes to Wilmer. Like Wilmer and Jerson come in, in the in the golf cart. Right, they go into training. We're right now. We were interviewing. I think Robert Coronado, and uh, he, go, he they get off the the golf cart. And Jerson talks and it goes to Wilmer and he's like, hey, so uh, Wilmer, would you wear a Deportivo Cali shirt? And Wilmer's like, for why? Why, why? why are you asking me this? And he's like, no, no, I'm just asking you, like, would you wear a Deportivo Cali shirt? Keep in mind that uh, that uh, both uh, both of them played for America de Cali. So he's like, so Wilmer's like, no. And he's like, because I know somebody, and I'm not going to say who it is, but he knows who I'm talking about, um, was wearing or is, was wearing a San Antonio scarf, and, and like, and I'm like, no, it it was it was, it was given to me uh, by my friend Harry, right? And I, we exchanged the scarf, and he's like, no, no, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and they just kept on going, but it's it, it's just pure banter. But yeah, that's awesome. No, that's it's awesome. it, it's it, awesome. it's just a, it's a symbol of uh, a friendship between uh, Harry and I of, of multiple years, and I'm I'm not ashamed uh, to have it on display. Edson, it's been fun. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to hang around for final comments or not. So if you need to bail, you can bail. Um, Final comments tend to be a little bit wild sometimes. Last week uh, kind of went in a completely different direction than I anticipated, but uh, I don't think that's going to be the case this week. Rafa probably goes something with Real Madrid, which I believe you're also a fan of. So um, maybe we should also expand, you know, to the Real Madrid minute here and uh, have two minutes instead of the one minute. But. <laughs> the Real Madrid minute. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, 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 don't, I don't know, but... Uh, hey, Barcelona just, was able to field players this week, so that's a positive. And well, they I mean, I mean they, sold, they sold everything and their soul. It, to until, be the able to bounce, do it. until the checks bounce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. I'm still surprised they haven't sold the city of Barcelona for credit. <laughs> They're gonna have to buy it from the king, I think. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. How long is that gonna last? Them? That's gonna be the big thing. Jurgen Klopp made a comment about it. He's he thought he thought it was an embarrassing. I think even even the guys from ESPN Plus said this is the most embarrassing situation that this club put themselves in. Especially with Frankie Dion not getting paid. I mean, you give him a contract, you need to honor that contract. And yeah, I think they're doing him dirty. It, all this is going to backfire on them. And who, who knows what's going to happen? You know, imagine that they did create the Superliga and Barcelona would have been in crap. 
because well, that's would... my question to you guys: is at some point the the total is going to come due. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to Barcelona? Does does La Liga have the the cojones to send them down, or see something some, uh, has to happen, right? Or you think they're just going to get away? Like seriously, <laughs> they're not the only team. I think they're not the only team that was. I think Sevilla was was in the same situation as well, but you know. I think I think they have to make La Liga's gonna make a, an example out of them. They have to because they and can't the, do this. I disagree uh, with you in this, and and this has nothing to do with what what is supposed to be right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But the reason I disagree with you is because at the end of the day, you've already lost you already lost your entertainment value. You lost Messi. You lost Cristiano Ronaldo. You can't you can't afford to limit to limit that Barcelona even further because Barcelona and Real Madrid is basically all, all you got, and so if, if they lose Barcelona to financial to financial troubles or if they make an example out of them and relegate them uh, due to finan- financial woes, that's they'll, the La Liga would be shooting themselves in the foot to be honest, and they can't afford to do that, especially like with so much competition. Yeah, it'll be like the Bundesliga. There's one team, and there's like eh, everybody else. Yeah, but I mean, there's they a did difference that, though. They Italy did that, did that though a couple of times with, with a couple of teams that were they penalized them. It hurt them short term, but for the long term, it's made them more healthier and better. That's that's the only reason why I wonder if because La Liga is kind of in, to me in kind of an odd odd fit. Yes, they're not on B in Sports anymore. They're on ESPN Plus mainly. So before their next TV contract. To me, I think you're better to get Barcelona, hey, burn it down and then rebuild it back up so that way when your next TV contract comes, assuming, you know, let's say they drop them down to, you know, second division, just like what was it, Rangers, I think, over in the Scottish Premier League. Juventus and the Calcio. Yes. They dropped them down for the same thing. I thought it was for match fixing. It's all money. True, but, but I, to me, I, I, I think for the help for the for the longevity of La Liga, you've got you've got to do it. Now, I also question Real Madrid, but Rafa says Real Real Madrid's a little you know not quite to that level. Um, obviously, just like with any super club, there's fudging of numbers. You know, I think that goes across no matter what. Well, you know, Perez knows he's, he's a good an account. They, yeah. they got oil money. I mean, he's got a lot of. <laughs> And he's got a lot of capital, you know. I think what they do is like a lot of those players that send them out on loans, but they get good returns coming coming back, so they have a good budget. So he knows what he's doing, and he was he was just caught off guard. I know he made a comment about, about the way Barcelona did their things is like he wants them to can be competitive because, like I said, they just feed off each other. But this is kind of it's just gone ridiculous when you start going into pay, players play. I think they even still owe money to Bayern Munich. I think for I think for Coutinho or a couple of other players around. So it's mm-hmm. I think they need to get their act together. They do need to get punished for a little bit, but they can always rebuild and come back. And then that way they can keep the the, the rivalry make a strong because they also have I think games they're gonna they're gonna play games here in the United States, I think this year. Some of the La Liga games. So it, it's interesting how they're gonna be able to market that with that. And can they afford the plane ticket to go over here? Robert, any final thoughts since we've covered the uh, Real Madrid minute here? No, I'm just excited about like uh, like I said, uh, Ollie coming back. He's my boy. <laughs> I like that guy a lot. So um, you know, like I said, I'm looking forward to Saturday, and uh, 
yeah, let's get more three more points. So want to thank everybody for tuning in and for listening. Uh, like I said here, and this is a longer one that we've uh, uh, been doing to, but we don't get Edson on but twice a year now. Um, it's with maybe the fancy three studio. times. Uh, with the fancy studio, he limits his, he <laughs> limits his exposure. <laughs> you got to get on the list. You got to get on the list. Get him on the high school, high school talk, too. I'm November. Well, Edson's too good for high school, you know. So, you know, he, he, he you know, he's Liga MX and and you know, and RGVFC. He he hasn't. Nice. Jacob is the one that you know will will get high school. Uh, nice. You know, for that he's you know I, I don't. I guess I should check in with Jacob to see if he's going to be calling games. I know he did a lot of volleyball last year mm-hmm. uh, for that here. Uh, but speaking of Ed, uh, Jacob here, Edson, you want to? Highlight your show and and kind of where it's at. I miss it being live. I won't lie to you. Um, it's been kind of odd, but you know, hopefully it's coming at, close. At some it's point. coming close. It's coming back. So uh, that'll be next year. Let's just be honest with it. it'll be next year. I'm thinking September, but <laughs> but anyway, guys, um, you can check out my my podcast. It's called the Down in the Valley Podcast. Uh, we usually. Uh, record every Wednesday or, or Thursday if there's a, a Wednesday match and uh, we're like I mentioned we're going we're going back live on, on YouTube hopefully by by September we're just going to start making some trial runs um, but you can usually find us on uh, Spotify Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM we talk all about uh, the Toros we give our hot uh, Jacob and I give our, our hot takes occasionally throwing the Jacob occasional has horrible hot takes I'll just leave it at that <laughs> Occasionally, Jake and I would throw in a little bit of NASCAR Formula One uh, in the mix. Or, like, I know this past week, we made a whole huge analogy of of, uh, RGV's game against Sacramento with uh, NASCAR and and, uh, all these all these tactics. But uh, it's it's a fun. They're fun episodes Mm -hmm. to 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 create. And if any San Antonio fans want to kind of know, want to know more about what's going down down here in the Rio Grande Valley, uh, be sure to be sure to uh, check uh, check us out and uh, follow us uh, on Twitter at down in the RGB and on Instagram as well. It's fun to troll them a little bit as well. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. That's a good podcast. <laughs> I've listened to it. It's good. Well, how we troll a not ace notch and look serious local. <laughs> El, dude, El Paso, we didn't talk about the standings because all the other things. <laughs> El Paso, though, they're in trouble. Uh, I know that they eked out the the miracle win against Colorado Springs somehow, it's but a draw, a draw. Or they draw. Mm, yeah, they drew. Yeah, yeah they, they drew, drew. four four. That's right. Head, gave up, uh, head injury. That's right. <laughs> Long story. <laughs> yeah. So, but thank you for everybody tuning in. Uh, I'm going to end it at this time. Once Life Without Goals, we're out of here. Peace.